This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. This one we are doing live. As you guys know what has happened in Alabama, we were supposed to have a new union in Alabama for the Amazon uh, workplaces. It didn't happen. There are various reasons why it didn't happen. So my thoughts were, how can I find out exactly what's happening in the psyche of people that would have them not see the necessity when going up against companies like Amazon that, in fact, we do need a union? How best to answer these questions than to speak to a former uh, union head? Today, we are honored to have Danny Fatanti. Danny Fatanti, welcome to Politics Done Right Special. How are you doing today, sir? Let me ask you something, Danny. Tell, tell, tell our audience a little bit about you before we get into the subject. Well, I was a labor organizer for 34 years. Um, I started organizing in Tupelo, Mississippi. I was uh, in a training program by the Industrial Union Department and um, where we got uh, multiple trainings by experienced organizers and um, the Industrial Union Department invested in uh, developing three years of organizers that worked on the field with the, with uh, campaigns. And we tried to do everything the right way. So for example, uh, we emphasize gathering up information before you have an open campaign. So you know everything about the workforce and that you know who the, the uh, social leaders are in every group. In the South, especially Mississippi, it was important to, to pay attention to race relations so that you involved whites and blacks, no matter what the ratio was, you had to have folks from both groups on your organizing committee. And then build an organizing committee where the major form of communication with workers was through the organizing committees talking to people in their departments. Uh, my first campaign, when I met with uh, a group of workers who had been involved in two previous losing campaigns, I sat down with folks and they were all white. And I knew the plant was about 40% black. I said, where are the African-American workers? And they said, well, this is our organizing committee we've had for the last two campaigns. And I explained, you lost both campaigns. So I want representatives, the most respected Black workers from each department to show up at our next committee meeting. And they said, well, this is the way we've always done it. I said, well, we're not doing a campaign unless we have representatives from uh, all the groups. And they said, well, you, why don't you go get them? And I said, no, they don't worry whether I want them at the meeting. They're going to worry whether you have to go to your co-workers who are the most respected. After the debate a little bit, they finally agreed to it. And our next committee meeting, we had people um, a strong multiracial organizing committee. Now, let me ask you this, Danny. Um, when when this unionization effort started in Alabama, and we had the likes of Bernie Sanders going down to the going down to the uh, to the plant 
to try to convince these people that uh, that that's in the best interest of uh, of the workers. Likewise, we had Biden giving them sort of a tacit support, uh, encouraging unionizations. Uh, what? How could a program fail, and not only or or fail, but not only fail, but fail as badly as it did in in Alabama? What is the genesis of of the issue out there? Having speakers and I. I have a very high birthday campaign. Um, every time you bring in uh, VIPs and have them do something, uh, you're emphasizing that the union is an outside force. People uh. talking to people instead of people on the inside doing the work. We went to Bessemer, uh, Barbara and I, a week before the election. And um, we uh, went to the plant gate and when you drove up to the plant gate, there was tons of yards set off an alarm bell. If you're doing yard signs on a highway to telling people to vote union, there's something wrong with the communication. The communication should be between respected workers on the inside and their co-workers. And if you have to put yard signs outside, there's something missing in the campaign. And we weren't sure of it. So we talked to the one person who was at the plant gate with a sign saying, vote union. The person wasn't a worker, didn't know what the issues were. And it was sort of like signs are going to make people. The emphasis of that campaign was they had another great person, Reverend Barber. He did a rally. And these are uh, him and Bernie are wonderful people. The, the fact that the PR department of the union was seemed to be making the decisions instead of field organizers was an indication that there was something off in this campaign. What I found out was when the union filed the petition, they thought there was 1,500 workers in the plant instead of over 5,000. Now, if you file a campaign and you don't even know what the workforce is, there's a serious problem. And the fact that the into the media about this, you don't want to do that in a campaign. You really have to do the work. And what what the problem is is many of our unions are not investing in long-term field organizing and campaigns. With that kind of plant, they should have been doing work for two or three years, developing their contacts so that the most respected workers on the inside decided to go with the union. One of the other things that's confusing is people think that because there's not a union, that workplaces are not organized, and that's just false. Workplaces have tons of social organization, everything from prayer groups at lunch to bowling teams to young guys who like to go out and get drunk. And there's a whole group of social groups there. You've got to understand that. And if you spend the time, and in a plant like that, if we had spent the time working with the people in the plant, um, my understanding, it's uh, it's written up in an article in the, the Nation, which I thought was very good by uh, McIlvaney, um, that the majority of the contact between workers and the union was done at the stoplight. People were spending all their time trying to talk to people when they stopped. If we're doing that kind of work, I'm not saying you never do leaflets and do stuff at the plant gate, but it, uh, they did zero home visiting. And one of the things I was trained in 
if you don't do home visiting, you lost the campaign. Are you telling me then that uh, that there's a good likelihood, because for everything that you're explaining so far and what you're saying has happened in Alabama, are you telling me that this may not have been something that happened organically, but really it may have been an external force trying to use this as a test template and they did it in a very wrong way? In other words, they didn't make sure to get the right plant, the right for lack of a better term, virus inside of the buildings with the workers that are actually there? Absolutely. That um, most workers would rather be in an organization that improves their their working conditions and uh, is a force to stand up for their rights. I mean, there were real issues there, like the way they dehumanize people about them being able to take bathroom breaks. Right. Um, the way they they had the the work sped up so fast that it literally broke down people. Right. Um, that that people in that situation would would want to change the thing, but they have to feel a confidence in the organization that's doing it. And when the organization takes shortcuts. And this might not have been the fault of the actual field organizer that was on the ground. Maybe he wanted to do more work, but the union wanted a quick victory and a public victory. And as a result, we, the union took shortcuts. And at that point, real social leaders back away from the union. I'm Robert Conti, chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or ticket. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or ticket. And then voters. So there was a lot of pro-union uh, workers there that in my estimation did not vote or even some of them voted against the union because they didn't think that the the union drive was right. Now, when you file an election for a group of workers and you're so far off on the estimate of the number of workers where the union thought there was 1,500 workers and it was over 5,000, the union should not have kept on going. What they did was run around and try to pick up more cards to meet the minimum threshold. The way the industrial union part of the AFL-CIO, which is no longer funded, by the way, uh, it had a very good program in Mississippi and North Carolina of doing long-term serious organizing and budget cuts, cut back on all of that stuff. And I think unions are making a mistake when you have accountants and public relations people making decisions instead of... To some extent, you're making the case for many 
as far as the, 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 the union needs to make structural changes before it actually becomes a force. It almost seems like the union became uh, the, 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 not the anti-corporation, but a corporation within its own right. The last thing that you should cut when there's, there's hard times in budgets, and a bunch of the union uh, family communication workers, the technology, when you move from uh, fight when you move to fiber cable from copper cable needed drastically a, a smaller number of workers uh, a whole lot less workers and when you close down a lot of manufacturing that has an impact on the budget the problem is when you're sitting down the organizing departments and then expect to somehow find a way to organize by having somebody who's very good at PR of rounding up progressives who I think were wonderful in volunteering to do that. You're making a serious budgetary and a serious political mistake within the organizations. And, and the workers should not be put through a, a campaign unless we're doing everything we can the right way. It doesn't mean that you're not going to lose campaigns. The other thing that's going on in the press is just talking about how terrible the company was. I mean, we should be clear on this, that companies are not pro-union. If they are, they wouldn't force an election. They would do voluntary recognition, which a number of companies are finally doing with the labor movement. Not a lot, but a, a, a decent number. The anti-union activity is going to go on. There is a standard playbook, which they did there, um, which is not nice, which tries to squeeze people, that organizing has changed over the last 50 years. Years ago, they used to use thugs to beat organizers and to intimidate workers. Nowadays, they have psychologists management experts in knowing how to pit workers against each other to they do a, a grid on workers and rate them one two and three um, as far as the workers who are so pro-union just leave alone uh, the workers that are going to go with the company no matter what and the workers that they have to concentrate on we did a campaign in the early days of mobile systems in st louis and we had a ratings of people by one two three and somehow we got a hold of the ratings that the companies had that they either dropped it in the parking lot or somebody was related to somebody I don't even know how we got it, but the ratings were almost identical. What the company <laughs> had rated and what we had rated was almost identical. That's what you 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 start with once you have a public campaign. So the trick is don't go public. Spend the time organizing before there is a campaign. The campaign should only be there to, to validate your strength. The other dynamic is that in a, organizing in the correct way, you spend a ton of time with workers telling them exactly what the company is going to, to do and discussing the issues they're going to raise, and you do it first. So what I would do is gather up all of, and I, and I did campaigns for the steel workers, the International Union of Electrical Workers, and the communication workers. I would gather up all of the instances of union corruption, and I would do a session with the committee and handouts where they were supposed to go to all of the workers and talk about the union corruption. Now, what was good in most of 
the unions was the union corruption was identified. And so we would go through that. When the company tried to attack you on the union corruption, it went nowhere. We had already discussed it. On union dues, the company was talk, spent a whole lot of time on talking on union dues that that should not be a surprise to the union. And what I would do is take what I was trained in. So it wasn't just me, but it was uh, training by experienced organizers. We do a whole session on the dues. We would do, we would print out the salaries of union officials and have a discussion of the money, where it went and how it was used. If you do that in your organizing committee members and your most respected workers where they have something to talk about. Uh, in this campaign, the company raised the question of union dues and the union organized an internet battle between people all over the country sending in messages to Amazon arguing over the dues question. And in fact, finally, the, un the union said to them in a right to work state, you don't have to pay union dues, which is like crazy. Um, you're organizing to get workers to have real power. And you don't tell people money is a form of power. Organization is a form of power and numbers is a form of power. You don't tell people, oh no, you don't have to give any money, just vote for the union and some other officials will do will fight for you. We're not interested in other people fighting for us. When you do organizing, you're interested in workers themselves doing so. Let me just say, I think that is, that is important for people to understand because again, what I'm hearing from you, uh, sadly, the unions have adapted the same culture almost as the corporate elite in, in some of what you're saying, not placing its money into organizers, but placing its money into P PR. Unfortunately, what's being sold by corporations in general, PR can make wanted, while PR for workers has a almost an inverse property. That is a conclusion that you could come to by listening to me. I don't want to be that negative. There is literally many unions and many people in unions trying to do the right thing, but are facing real challenges um, with a lack of funding. I, am, I, I want to interrupt you for one reason, because you, I think what okay. you just said is very important. I think what you just said is very important. My intent was not to mask all unions with the statements that you're making okay but right. to ma and you're correct and I, I i thank you for calling that out because that is i am a strong union supporter but we have to call no, out i know you are. right we have to call out when the unions fail just like you mentioned in your past narrative you you put out when you're starting to organize a new place you put out a list of all the ills that the unions have done so that it cannot be used as a hammer by the corporation when they're trying to say, look at what the unions have done here. I mean, just as well, we could say, look at what the corporations have done here. Actually, right. isn't it true that the Chamber of Commerce is just a union for corporations? Isn't it true that the Metallurgical Association is just a union for metal comp companies who, uh, who have metal interests? So I mean, yes. uh, why is it that the American workers, the only thing that folks don't want to get organized? And you can continue there, Danny. There was a, a call center in Austin, and it was the 
under the name of AT&T Wireless. This was before Southwestern Bell bought AT&T Wireless. And it was actually owned by the Japanese telephone company, and they were paying for the logo of AT&T. I'm Robert Conti, chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district, and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or tick it. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. And people were having one hell of a time trying to get them organized by all sorts of methods. So we did something that they had done in the 30s. We recruited young people to get jobs there. Uh, Both of my sons and my nephew went and applied there. Two of them got hired and they got a bunch of their friends hired and other kids hired. And we built an underground organization within this thousand person call center for five years. Now, I had people above me saying, what the hell? It's taking so long. I mean, that was not the only thing I was working on. But there was there was enough support for organizing that said, leave him alone, let him do the thing. And we we built a whole organization in that workforce over five years and that we were, were strong enough to come open. And then Southwestern Bell bought AT&T and we were, were allowed to use CarCheck and we were the biggest call center, biggest large call center organized in the country in a very short period of time. The other one was in Jackson, Mississippi, where people been doing some serious organizing. Well, no, there's other examples of where people have done meticulous long-term campaigns. But in this campaign, we were talking about a big victory way before the election. It made me extremely uncomfortable. I hoped that we had a big victory, but none of the signs were. I work for the Industrial Union Department of the AFL-CIO. They sent a person undercover to go through a training by Modern Meths Management, which was uh, the biggest union-busting firm. And they got their manual, and they went through the whole training. And then they came back and did a training for um, the field organizers. So we were trained in how to break a union. And that kind of training and investment in field organizers, just, I I think it's being done very little at this point. And if we're going to turn around the labor movement, there has to be a serious investment in training of the fundamentals. The internet is not going to organize workers. Right. Uh, and I and I'm a little bit of a caveman when it comes to the internet. And so I don't and so sometimes I don't have the credibility to argue against it. But the idea that you can send out messages on the inter- internet and expect you're going to win things it goes against the fu- the fundamentals of of unions is workers collectively are faced with collective problems they try to do collective efforts to win collective solutions i think that is so important what you just said because a lot of people think that the uh, and in fact i think uh, the, the union the union and, and and what we also call the 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 uh, what kind of economy do we call it now? The go economy or the gig economy? I think it gives people a false sense of uh, what a lot of you did in, in the past on organizing and not realizing that yes, the union can be the, the internet can be an assistance to 
helping uh, the union, but it's not a replacement for flesh to flesh contact. It's not a replacement for having true relationships because true relationships is what people trust. Danny, I don't have much time left. So I want to ask you one specific question. Please uh, explain to folks exactly what is card check. Card check is a process where the majority of people sign authorization cards that say they want to be represented by the union. You have an agreement from the employer that they will accept when a majority of the people sign the cards. We had an agreement with Southwestern Bell that it took a hard fight. It took uh, five years to win it, where the employees had the right to to win recognition. Now, we had a clause in it that the date did not start until the earliest card we signed. So we would sign up cards before anybody knew that we were doing it before there was an anti-union campaign and then deliver it to the company. Um, And we had two months to do it. Uh, The one card had to be two months within the other one. So these Um, are, these are cards for every employee that comes from the federal government pretty much. No, we designed our own cards, but it's uh, it, it, when you get the recognition, it it is a voluntary recognition. The company chooses to not fight uh, the union. And we were able to win it with Southwestern Bell at the time because we put a tremendous amount of pressure. It was during the 80s when there was a lot of deregulation. Now, um, now what do they mean then, Danny, when they talk about the legis- the card check legislation? Exactly what was the card check legislation? If we could get card check legislation, it would allow uh, workers to be recognized by signing up the majority without ever having an election. Uh, you wouldn't need an election. The company would accept that. And there have been attempts at getting that through on the federal level. It has hit a brick wall because it's a very powerful thing. Right, because you, uh, you, the majority you have a, of the workers. You have a, a, an eternity to, to, to sign up up to the majority of the, the employees to, uh, and then once you get that amount, that union has to be recognized. And there's no anti, well, there is an anti-union campaign. As soon as they hear about you, they try to do it. So, uh, I think one of the most important things I want to say is in union organizing, you should assume that they are going to try to clobber you. They're going to come up with every piece of dirt they can have on that individual union, on individuals, and run it at you. And if you do the preparation, which is called in union organizing inoculation before pain becomes public, it's discussed in detail, boring, three months before the election, it's very hard for the company to make an issue of it the week before the election. And if union corruption is talked about, where we expose everything ourselves early on, then it is extremely hard for the company to try to to come up and say corruption. Everybody says, oh yeah, we know about that. The organizer told us all of that. We got the paperwork on that what do you and it totally frustrates the union busters when but in this campaign they were able, they were able to pick the timing of when the issues were discussed if they control the timing and it, if the union's doing the organizing we should control the timing and we have the ability to do it if we do a process which is called inoculation which is 
letting people know all of the downsides of the union and then talking about that together, uh, working together, you can make a difference in your workplace. Not that a union representative will save you. Workers don't want a savior. They want the ability to have some sort of power and influence over their lives at work. We spend the uh, over well over 50% of our working hours. A lot, most workers don't work a 40 hour week. They work a lot more. Absolutely. And they would like some sort of, some sort of control. Long-term adult workers understand that. And they, they have a respect for themselves. They put up with a lot of crap from the company. So they know what they're used to doing, but um, people will stand up if you give them if you emphasize building organizations and don't emphasize public relations. Let's end it right there. Danny okay. Fetante, <laughs> former union organizer, former head of several organizations. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, my friend. Uh, we know when we have these subjects, where to go. Thank you very much, Danny. Thank you, Egberto. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council.